Welcome to the Holistic Career Change Podcast, one-stop shop for everyone feeling stuck in their career and who are looking to identify, change, and succeed at their new fulfilling work. I'm your host, Vilma Oseita. Let's go. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode nine. It's so good to have you here. And let me tell you, today you are in for a treat. In this episode, I interview Stacey Mikulik, who is an inspirational career changer who ended up switching from practicing law for over a decade to owning her own very successful jewelry business. So in this episode, we will cover how Stacy found herself in a career that seemed prosperous and successful on paper, yet it felt extremely unfulfilling and draining for her. Stacy shares about one pivotal life event that woke her up and made her realize that life is temporary and she has no excuses to not pursue her dreams. We talk about Stacy's trip to Virgin Islands that completely changed the course of her life. Stacy also shares surprising byproducts of career change, such as her health issues near enough disappearing in the matter of weeks after she made her career transition. She talks about how her circle of friends changed and how she invited much more in alignment friendships and also her finding a romantic partner. We chat about the support systems she did not have as a career changer and how her family and friends ended up thinking that she's crazy for leaving law and they were essentially expecting for her to go back to being a lawyer after she quote-unquote fails at her jewelry business. We discussed the importance of mindset and how Stacy learned that working on her mindset was actually much more important than working on her website. And there are so many more golden nuggets for all of the present and future career changers. As you can see, this is a longer episode than usual. Stacy took us on a journey and I really did not want to cut anything out. Also, please be warned, I'm very excited in this interview. <laughs> Stacy was tearing pages out of my book and sharing the ins and outs of her career journey Uh, which I resonate with immensely as this is quite literally my daily bread with my clients. So I end up laughing a little too loud and I'm being a little extra. So please forgive me. It's because um, in my natural habitat, talking about the topic, I'm the most excited about. So here's the interview. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, everyone. I am very, very excited to have an extremely special guest today. Uh, Stacy Mikulik. We connected with Stacy on social, and I just could not not have her in the podcast because I feel like she's such a beautiful example of what's possible uh, when it comes to career change, and probably so much more that we're going to learn today on this episode. Um, so, Stacy has actually practiced law for 11 years before she ended up quitting in February of 2017 to start her own jewelry business called Grace Plus Hudson. And uh, the brand specializes in bridal and bridesmaid jewelry. And Stacy actually has a very unique perspective to bring to the table because she ended up quitting her job as a lawyer twice. The first time when she quit, she quote unquote failed and ended up going back to being a lawyer. 
However, the second time has been a huge success. Stacy now resides in Charleston, South Carolina, and she operates not only her online business, but recently she also expanded into owning a brick and mortar shop in the downtown Charleston area. Welcome, Stacy. Hi there. I'm so excited to be here. This is one of my favorite topics to talk oh, about. We're in alignment. Me too. I could talk about this for hours. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so good to have you here. So I thought maybe to start with, um, you could tell us a little bit about the beginning of your career change journey. Uh, this is sort of, um, I think, the stage where a lot of, of my listeners and some of my clients are in right now, which is them not really being... Um, satisfied with their career, but not really ready to make that jump yet. So maybe you could tell us a little more about what it was like for you practicing law, maybe what brought you to law in the first uh, place. So could you just talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so I graduated from an Ivy League college and, you know, everyone goes to med school, business school, or law school pretty mm -hmm. much. And <laughs> I faint when my blood is taken. So med school was not my thing. I had just gotten a business degree. That was my undergraduate degree. Okay. And I had taken a business law course and I was like, well, law school sounds good to me. Like it literally was not something I was passionate about, you know, since I was little, I have no family members who are lawyers. It was really just, you know, I took this class. It was interesting. I am a pretty good writer and that's uh, a really good skill set to have when you're a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And I applied, got accepted, and kind of just went with it. And um, I think part of it too was, you know, I was, you know, quote unquote, smart enough, and um, just the prestigious nature of that sort of job. Um, you know, there's, I think, subconscious or unspoken societal pressures to kind of yeah. just get the best job with the best salary you can. And so, um, went to law school and. Uh, I actually, before I went to law school, worked at a really big firm in New York City, one of the biggest um, in the world as a legal assistant mm. to kind of test out what it's like to be a lawyer and um, didn't particularly like it. And, but again, was just, I don't really want to be in the working world. I need to go back to law school or grad school of some sort. Mm -hmm. So I'll, you know, it, it was so unconscious, I guess is the point I'm trying yeah. to make. And it was so... Um, just, I don't know what else I want to do. So I guess I'll just do this and, um, you know, graduated and started the big firm lawyer life, which was very draining and, you know, lots of late nights and no time for friends and family, that sort of thing. Um, and then I went in-house for a couple of years at the end of my tenure as a lawyer, which was a little bit better, but, um, really uh, was just unhappy with the profession since the day I entered it. Um, so it was a uh, question of, I know I need to make a change literally from day one. I just didn't know how to get out of it. <laughs> and it took me a little while and a couple tries. Mm, I love that. Uh, there is so much that I want to like respond to here and say, yes, I know. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like, like, it's, like I already mentioned to you when we were briefly chatting on social is like, I, I do have a lot of clients who are in the corporate and actually who similarly to you find themselves in the careers that they think they're like almost supposed to be in, or mm -hmm. if they're great students, right. These are the tracks that you are sort of directed towards, which is law. Maybe like you said, medicine. I personally went to finance. 
uh, because I was like, oh, I'm kind of okay with numbers. <laughs> Why right, don't I go exactly. into banking? <laughs> so, so yeah, and I did the whole the whole shebang as well in London and Westman Banking, and then I went to the Big Four. And just like you, from day one, I kind of had an inkling. I was like, I'm not sure this is for me. And I feel like so many of us have that intuitive whisper from day one. Yet for some reason, we well, first of all, we're never taught really to listen to it and kind of understand what is telling us and where we're being directed, especially because we invested so much time, so much money into getting education, right? And right. we don't want to disappoint ourselves and probably our parents and friends. And there's so much expectation to meet out there. Mm-hmm. I could not agree more. Very, um, <laughs> very unconscious, you know, at the time too. It's like, you don't realize, oh, maybe I'm doing this because I quote, should be doing this. And maybe it's not really what I want to do. I mean, I, we're just not taught that kind of skill set when we're, especially in our early twenties, when we're making these lifelong decisions and really have <laughs> no experience on which to base them. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like, well, first of all, I congratulate you, but I already mentioned that it's the fact that you made the shift because I feel like there are so people who get stuck in this mindset where like, well, I already have this education and the job is just a job and it's not supposed to be fun or it should not fulfill you. And they end up spend the rest of their lives, you know, <laughs> appearing, appearing, coming to work, probably not succeeding, not really, um, not really becoming great in a career because you cannot become Uh, excellent in a career you're not passionate about, right? Because every career needs hard work, but if you also don't have that passion and don't feel the purpose and meaning in it, it's going to be very hard to achieve um, Mm -hmm. something. And then I think there's also the opposite of, um, there's no doubt if I had enjoyed being a lawyer, I could have been better. But Mm. even like my, I don't know, let's say, I'm just like, I was very raised as a hard worker, right? And say I was doing 85%. And I was pretty darn good. Like, what if I was 100? (laughs) And uh, But my point is, I get a lot of people coming to me too and saying, but, you know, I'm really good at what I do, you know, compared to my peers, you know, not not compared to their higher self, which is your point, which I love. But um, I'm good at it. I should just stay here, be a lawyer. I mean, they want me to be partner. I should just stay here. Mm. And then you have this, this other aspect to it, which is like, it's not like I'm, you know, failing at what I'm doing. I'm relatively successful. I'm making six figures. I have this beautiful home. Like I'm really going to take this huge risk and leave and try to do something else that I don't know yet if I'm really good at, even though I have the passion. So there's so many layers to the feel back for sure. Exactly. Well, you just summarized exactly what I deal with every day with the career changes, because that's in a nutshell, exactly what I hear as well. Um, So you touched upon that really briefly, but can you tell me a little more what your sort of average day looked like before the transition when you were in law? Because I know a lot of people suffer from all kinds of even psychosomatic symptoms when they leave it for too late, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. What was it like for you really showing up um, Um, to a law firm? So... Since the day I graduated law school, I had a really demanding job, um, really late nights, um, very common to be working past midnight, very common to have to cancel plans in the evening Mm. with family and friends. And um, I mean, it was my life. I I lived, breathed, and I mean, I, I worked at a firm where, you know, they even allowed you to order 
this high-end dinner every night um, because there were so many people working in the office late. That was the little treat that they gave you. Um, So, you know, a lot of times three meals were eaten in the office. Um, Lawyers are not easy to work for or with. Um, So, and it's still very, very male dominated. And the women that you do work for are very, masculine energy which mm. is just uh, a whole nother topic we won't get into <laughs> yes <laughs> totally <laughs> yeah but um you know so it wasn't a pleasant working environment a lot of criticism um you know a lot of uh difficult personalities shall we say yeah um a lot of yeah god this is dating but you know um back when I had a Blackberry. <laughs> I, assume people, <laughs> I assume people text now, but thankfully I left before that was really too common. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, late night emails where I had to stop what I was doing to attend to something. Um, I did general commercial law on the very, very beginning, my first year or two. And then I gravitated towards employment law. Um, so everything from discrimination, harassment to benefits and compensation and and everything kind of in between. And, um, I did, uh, both litigation, you know, going to court and fighting court cases as well as counseling, which is, um, you know, more talking to say HR professionals and advising Mm -hmm. them on issues that they're having before they become lawsuits. Um, and I worked for, uh, fairly large firms for about seven and a half years. And then went in-house, um, I went to go work for a big tech company and, um, they, (laughs) it was better at first. I thought Mm -hmm. I actually liked my job and that, you know, wow, maybe this is where I'm supposed to be. (laughs) And, um, I got, it took about two years for me to realize in that job that no, I don't like this job. I just like the fact that I can have a life and have my weekends and make plans in the night and the evening and not cancel them. Um, Mm -hmm. so the lifestyle was better. Um, so, um, that was a plus, but I still felt very unfulfilled. And um, I was sick all the time, to be honest. <laughs> I yes, was- that's what I was waiting for, because I feel like it's almost like uh, in every client I have, like they end up mm-hmm. you know, taking a sick days off and then they're not really sure what's up, like the immune system is down and they have all kinds of symptoms and mm-hmm. so on and I so had, forth. I had a constant stomach ache. Mm. Um you know, went to the doctor, could never really figure it out, just ended up going on like probiotics and supplements and stuff to try to help it, but nothing really helped it. Um, So I was also not eating very well because I could really only feel comfortable eating like bagels for lunch. So it was just kind of like, you know, of course, did not have time to like properly exercise regularly during the week because of my hours. And, um, just always, you know, nothing, thankfully, super serious, but like always with a cold, always just not feeling my best. Mm. And um, just really having a stomachache. And when you have a stomachache all the time, you're not in a good mood. (laughs) You know, my mom would say, if I would snap at her about something, she'd be like, does your stomach hurt? Like she even (laughs) caught on to kind of, (laughs) you just feel uncomfortable and and drained and not happy. And um, so, I mean, I even got... 
I even got mono when I was oh, 33 wow. years old. Wow. I have no idea where I picked it up. I obviously was not hanging out at colleges or yeah. <laughs> what have you. But I mean, just to point out an example of just just always sick. And since I've left, I mean, I've been so healthy. And it's just, uh, it really was all, like, I almost feel like people don't believe me when I say this, but my persistent stomachache literally went away within like a week of me quitting. Uh, not exaggerating, even though I know that sounds like, well, yeah. that can't be true. Um, it just is amazing what stress does to you. And mm. looking back, it really frightens me. If I had stayed in that job till 65 yeah. when I retired, what that would have done to my body because mm. I was you know, healthy in my 20s. And yeah it's just, it's scary, really scary. Not to say I don't have stress and currently in what I do, but it is 100% different. It's just situational and circumstantial and stretching and and having a green juice kind of helps me feel a little bit better back on my game. Whereas Mm -hmm. before it felt more like chronic and persistent and like nothing. Yeah, exactly. I totally, I mean, I'm the one person where I'm like, yes, that's exactly like, it's not magic. It's not (laughs) voodoo, woo-woo. It actually, that's what happens. And I feel like it's interesting that you mentioned stomach. Again, that's also something that I find like is pretty common because there are so many nerve endings in the stomach and it's really closely related to our mental and emotional well-being. So no surprise that it was the stomach that you actually felt. And, you know, when you transitioned, it's sort of a night and day experience. And actually the uh, the graphics um, for my podcast is kind of divided into black and white because I feel like for me, that's what my career change felt like. And I see that with my clients when the change is like literally like night and day. That's the difference mm-hmm. in it's essentially every area of their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's really interesting. Um What I'm really curious to know, because again, that happens, I feel like every journey is so unique, even though there are sort of common threads, but the way the journey unfolds is very individual. So what I like to know is if there was sort of one pivotal moment when you just were like, you know what, that's it, I'm doing this. Or was it more like a a lengthy journey for you where like every day you were like, okay, I got to do this, I got to do this. Can you talk more about Um, that? Yes. Um, It was a little bit of both since I quit my job twice, actually. (laughs) But I'll talk about the second time since um, that's kind of where I am now yeah. in, my, in my career. But um, I, uh, you know, again, I was at this in-house job working for a tech company and um, kind of at this juncture of like, wow, I thought I liked this, but I really just like the hours and having a life and feeling it a little bit more manageable um, and just feeling unsatisfied. And I was at this juncture of my life of like, okay, I have the money to put a nice down payment on a condo at the time I was living in Chicago. Mm. Um, or I could kind of use this money to try maybe starting my own business. And that was kind of in the back of my head because I was just feeling very unfulfilled. And I also, um, you know, I, not married with kids at the time too, and kind of realizing, um, you know, hopefully that will not be the case for too many years longer. And this is kind of a good opportunity where I don't have that many obligations. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of thinking about it in the back of my head. And, you know, at the time too, it had been a good nine years or so of me practicing. Um, And when you start to see that decade mark approaching, (laughs) it really makes you think about things. Um, And what happened was I lost my father. So um, he was diagnosed with cancer, lung cancer, and 
from, you know, he was, um, he passed about 10 months later. So it was very Mm -hmm. quick and pretty abrupt. Um, you know, his whole side of the family lived into their late nineties, even his father, you know, my grandfather was still living when my dad passed. And so it was really pretty, uh, shocking and, um, really changed the course of my life. Um, he was, he had just turned 65 before he died and he was very very responsible 401k saver Mm. I'm gonna retire and move to the beach um I'm originally from New Jersey outside New York City Mm -hmm. his plan was to retire to the beaches of North Carolina and you know that typical work hard until you're 65 and then live life kind of mentality and it just really hit me that like wow, you work your whole life waiting for this moment and mm-hmm. you literally die one month after you turn 65. Oh. <laughs> Never got the chance to retire. And that made a huge impression on me. Um, mm-hmm. I was 34 at the time. So, you know, fairly young. And, um, you know, like, what if I only have 30 years left? And mm-hmm. uh, I think, you know, I had lost relatives before, but losing a parent to me, uh, maybe it also had to do with just being fairly young at 34. It really, really made me realize life is temporary. You mm. are not here forever. Cause I think, you know, in your twenties, you kind of have an invincibility type of mentality and yeah, yeah, you're not here forever, yeah. but you don't really understand that in your core. And so it really just woke me up and, um, you know, life is short mm-hmm. and tomorrow you can get a phone call that you have cancer and next year could be it. I mean, it really, yeah. so I live my life with that mentality now. And it's funny. It's like, I almost have, um, it was a very serious experience, but I almost have a more lighthearted, like almost like whimsical thought about life now because it is so fleeting and it is who cares start your own business if you lose money it's just money like you're not gonna die yeah. you know and don't be so serious about everything like mm. I, you'll make it and I think part of it too was going through something so difficult like he was in hospice care and stuff at the end yeah. seeing something going through something so difficult mm. and coming out of it on the other side where he you know prompted what happened to him prompted me to change my whole life and something so great came out of his death for me, it's like even the worst thing I've ever gone through in my life led to something so beautiful that I just, I just don't have fears about things anymore. It's just like, you know, try it, you know, like, so I moved to Charleston from Chicago, didn't know a single person here. Oh, wow. (laughs) I could just move back. It's not a big deal. Like we look at these decisions about careers, like life and death, and it is not. It is not. And I will tell you the insurance that I have, and that probably a lot of your listeners have, if you fail, you are not going to be serving coffee in Starbucks. You're going to go back to what you were doing. Exactly. (laughs) Amen. Like I always tell my clients, even your worst case scenario is better than what you're living right now. 
because yeah. you're unhealthy and unhappy. So even if you fail, you'll already have an opportunity to reevaluate and maybe at least go back to the same industry, but maybe a different company. Maybe it will work mm-hmm. for you for a couple of years, right? Till you yeah. figure yourself out again. Because if you, I resonate with what you said that you went in-house and you, for a couple of years, I feel like that could be like almost like a, like it lulls you into a fake sense of security because certain circumstances change. And then you're like, oh, maybe it's not that bad. But I feel like at the end of the day, it still catches up with you, right? So it's just like different places, different faces, but that sense of like void and that something is missing, still there, right? Yeah, yeah. And it was valuable to try something else. Yeah. I think for people who do have a lot of fear, trying something else for me made me feel like, okay, you know, I've tried numerous, a couple different firms. I tried going in-house. I tried mm-hmm. a couple different areas of law. I am 100% confident that this is not for me. You know, sometimes you just need to try different things to really get to that phase yeah. of like, you don't feel like you're quote unquote giving up because, yeah. you know, and I, I don't know. Um, but when you're a lawyer, a lot of lawyers, the ultimate dream is to go in-house. That's what a lot of people work for. Mm. So to me, I was like, you know, I've kind of known since the beginning that that was probably the only place I had a chance of being, quote, happy in my job. Mm-hmm. So let me try it before I, you know, give up, so to speak. And um, so it did give me a sense of closure, I guess. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Absolutely. I really feel like you need to try things out because there is just so much feedback you can get from analysis and thinking about something. The majority of the feedback and how you feel about something will come from you actually being in proximity of that, I don't know, profession or company, right? Like really putting yourself in the trenches and um, feeling it out. I feel like that's where you know, Uh, Mm -hmm. because for me personally, like working in banking has always been my dream. Uh, I always wanted, even though it was like you say, also very masculine field, especially investment banking. I, you know, always thought of myself as badass. <laughs> and I was like, I can compete with any man, you know. And I had right. that mentality. But really, like you say, it took me a day or two to be like, oh my god, I feel like I've just, <laughs> I feel like I was so wrong. This is not for me. Something is wrong. But I spent so much energy convincing me that you know what, you know, maybe like you got it wrong. Maybe that's how it's supposed to feel. Look, someone else is enjoying it, and there's just so much, so many thoughts that you have. I feel like, especially when, when you're new and you don't have that much life experience and work experience. Mm -hmm. So you don't have much to compare it with. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the pivotal things for me in being able to break out of um, that profession I was in was really changing my mindset around like, um, what does career, what's it supposed to feel like and look like and really giving Mm -hmm. up the, you know, because the first time I quit, I think I failed. Well, I know I failed because of mindset, but I definitely remember this lurking feeling that I had all the time with like, who am I to mm-hmm. think that life can be different? And I don't have to go to an office every day and hate my job. And yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, who am I to start this jewelry business and think that like, I felt like, you know, I was playing, playing store. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, who am I to like break out of this um, mindset that everybody else has, you know, like Mm -hmm. I can't be right. Everyone else must be right because everyone else is doing it this way. Everyone else hates their job. I mean, think about, 
even the expression TGIF, that is so sad. Yes. Like, or now I laugh when people say, how was your weekend? Because it literally is like, it's just so sad to me that mm. people in corporate America are just accept that it's okay that you live your life for two days and the whole week you're counting down till Friday and you just <sighs> do it week after week after week and how incredibly sad that is that we accept that as a culture. Yeah. And it's being on the other side now where I really like what I do and work is just also a lot more fluid and it's not in this regimented, you know, nine to five, not that I ever worked <laughs> nine to five, but yeah. whatever your schedule is Monday through Friday. And, um, it, it just, you have to decide that career can be enjoyable. And when you change your thoughts about it, you attract then circumstances that support your beliefs. But if you believe that career has to be awful and not fun and everyone else hates their job, so I should too, then that's exactly the circumstances you're going to attract. So you need to change the underlying belief and believe that it can be different. Mm -hmm. um, or even if you do switch, it's probably not going to last like the first time I quit because <laughs> I really yeah. didn't believe also that I deserved better. And that was like a self-worth, self-confidence issue thing. Um, the second time I quit, uh, I deserve a better life than this. I am not doing this anymore. I'm putting my foot in the ground. No, I deserve better. And it was like taking that very firm stance is like, I am not doing this anymore. Mm. Uh, this is not acceptable to me this lifestyle is not acceptable to me and really becoming very firm in that belief that no, I'm not doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I deserve better. But like, obviously there was a lot of work that went into the self-confidence and self-worth yeah. uh, issues that al allowed me to really get to that point um, of really standing up for what I feel like I deserved and I knew could be possible. So, mm -hmm. yeah, totally. I feel like it essentially was a decision you made. I think like there are a lot of different steps that you had to take to make that sort of strong, stern decision. Like that's it. Mm -hmm. uh, but really at the end of the day, just as deciding and, you know, telling ourselves that it's not uh, if it's when, like when I create a career and not asking yourself, I feel questions are very, in general, very powerful. And the questions directed at ourselves, I think are the most powerful tool that could create so much and also that could literally distract us. And so asking who am I and changing that, why not me? Why wouldn't I create a life I love and I'm proud of? Right. And I'm excited. And look at all these other people. I mean, there's so many people that own a jewelry store, you know, in my circumstances, mm -hmm. whatever it is you yeah. want to do. There's so many people who own small businesses. There's so many people who do X, Y, Z, like, yeah. Compare. And when you really get out of your bubble and it was hard, especially in finance or, or law where you're working so much, you don't really get out into the real world. That <laughs> That's <often>. so true. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's sad, but like yeah. you're very much in a bubble because you're constantly working. And when you're not working, you're probably just running errands and getting your life together. Then you're back to work and you don't really like, you're not really exposed to that much, you know? And I think that was one of the reasons it was hard to be a lawyer is like, you don't have that much time to be around people who aren't lawyers. And so then that becomes your whole world, both personally and like professionally, because maybe you have time to get a drink with your, you know, your office mate, but like, that's about it. And yeah. so it's really in this bubble. And when you, um, so when I first quit, when I was living in Chicago, 
especially if you're in a big city, you realize how many people do not work in an office. I mean, mm-hmm. Monday at 11 o'clock in Chicago, the streets are packed and you're yeah. like, they're not all visitors. So then you realize there's so many people who are doing things that, but it's hard to see when you're in corporate America. Cause really, I don't know. I don't know why it is, but like, yeah, you just don't really understand that there's a lot of people who don't work in corporate America a lot. <laughs> yeah. Totally. I, I so like I'm smiling from ear to ear because I was like, I'm so resonating because I feel like when I switched and I would I decided for some time that I would make cafes like my office. And I felt like when I would walk around, like you said, 11, 11 a.m. and everyone was either already preparing to go to lunch, right, wearing suits and, and so on and so forth. I really felt like I knew a secret to the universe. I'm like, you yes. guys need to wake up like there is a, another side. There's light at the end of the tunnel. You don't don't even see it. I know. Uh, oh my gosh. So it, when I was in Chicago, I lived um, just north of the area called the Loop, which is where all the office buildings are. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a dog. And so every morning, you know, when I was walking him in the morning, seeing everybody walking the same direction, mm-hmm. just looking miserable, like lemmings, just walking to their doom for the day. <laughs> um, you know, it, it was just very eye-opening at the same token it was also like on difficult days when I was first starting my business like you know it was a constant reminder every morning of like am I the crazy one I don't think it needs to be that way yeah (laughs) but it's yeah it's interesting that um I felt the same way like when it did start to click like I know a secret that you all don't know Oh, it's like that sort of Jesus is alive people with posters, you know, it's like that's what you want to do. Um, but so I'm curious, did you sort of from the very beginning, did you have then, did you have an idea that you like to go into jewelry and open up your business or was it something that required a little bit of soul searching for you? Um, soul searching, um, for sure, but it didn't take very long. Um, I, so I started my first, um, you know, lawyer job. And it took a a year or two, I think it was two years uh, for me to have, you know, like enough money to go on a real adult vacation. And also, you know, just feeling like I'd been the firm long enough. So I felt like, okay, to actually leave for a week, because that's a whole nother issue when your lawyers like vacation time. And so, um, uh, so I went to the Virgin Islands with just one of my really good friends from growing up. And um, I it was just a very pivotal trip for me. Like I remember where I was in the ocean. We were just chatting where I was like, I'm going to open a jewelry store um, because we had gone to uh, um, the store in the little downtown area. And my friend bought a ring there and we just got to talking with the owner and she was from New York. And, you know, at the time I was living in New Jersey where I grew up mm. and her name was also Stacy. And oh, so wow. we just universe. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. And I, ha- I mean, I have, I had no, like, I like sparkly things growing up. Like that's what my mom says, you know, like I really love anything really girly and sparkly, but like not big into fashion as an adult, not like really crafty even, you know, like my mom um, is really just, you know, 
good with crafts in her hands and my sister's an actual painter. So there's definitely some artistic genes for sure in my family, but I wasn't doing anything like that at the time. Um, but I remember when we got back from that store and we were just hanging out in the ocean and I was just like, that kind of store would do so well where I live right now. Um, I'm going to do it. That's what I'm going to do. And she was working in TV production in New York City at the time, and she hated her job too. <laughs> and uh, so she, we were kind of just needing a break and um, chatting about what, what we might do next in our lives. And so I came home from that trip, and I actually did, you know, watch some YouTube videos and buy some books about how to make jewelry and really just discovered like this crazy natural talent, I guess I was given that I had no idea about. And, um, yeah, that's how I discovered jewelry. So, uh, very, very uh, just divinely orchestrated, I like to say. Yeah. Um, but I think also I was very open to it and kind of asking the universe for like guidance, you know, mm. on what should I do? So, um, yeah, I hear a lot of people like, I know I don't, I don't like what I do, but I don't know what I would do if I left and, um, I'm sure you have a lot to say about that too, but for me, it was just kind of like being very, very genuinely open to what might I do. And then unexpectedly, you know, kind of like when you least expect it, just taking this trip and so happened that she wanted to go in the store and buy a ring and the rest is history. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like we're always being led not to go into all of the, you know, energetic realms and all those topics, which I'm really into, um, but I respect that not everyone is, but I really feel like when you ask for guidance and you're like, you say open to receive, you're always going to be led to places. And it's really up to you, whether you're going to take that and do something about it and really let that feeling in. So I'm so glad that you were open. And I wonder what did it feel like to you? Because I, I, what I hear a lot, and that's what it felt to me when I sort of discovered coaching, that coaching is a thing in general. Um, it really felt like coming home, like sort of, you know, after my first session, when I finished, I was like, oh my God, I feel like I am, you know, like high on life. I didn't know this exists. I didn't know people even pay money for this. Is this legal? <laughs> like, <laughs> I felt so good. It really felt like sort of, you know, remembrance. Really, there's no other way for me to say it. It's, was that experience like that for you? Or was it a little different? You felt like more like you connected and fell in love with it step by step, like little by little. Um, I felt like it was pretty instant, you know, like I, I mean, I didn't even go to any classes. I literally just taught myself and it was just like oh, free flowing and kind of what you just said too, like, um, made me kind of remind myself, it felt like a, you know how they say moving meditation, you know, mm -hmm. like if you can't just sit still and meditate, like, you know, running could be your form of meditation because yes. you're so in the moment. Like that's kind of what jewelry making is, was to me, um, okay. feeling very, very, and, and they say that a lot about, you know, arts and, and all that stuff in painting. And even if you're not a great painter, it might help you <laughs> if you hate your job just to take a moment because it really gets you in, in the present moment. And so jewelry making was very, um, A, it just came very naturally. So I knew there was something there for me mm -hmm. to kind of explore and B, just this feeling like I was escaping also in this moving meditation, which allowed me to be present and forget about my troubles, about the law and my job and, and really probably slowly, I say slowly, but it was only a matter of like a couple of years until I opened my first jewelry store, but, um, slowly just realizing 
in those moments where I was making jewelry and very present, it really helped me to just kind of process things and see things from a different light and get out of my um, <laughs> constant negative dialogue in my head mm. about my job and, you know, uh, yeah, just kind of listen to maybe, you know, guidance or my heart, what it was trying to tell me. Mm, I love that. So, um, I'd also like to ask you about uh, the tr- the transition process. And the reason why I want to ask you about that, because I have a lot of clients in the corporate who come to me and ask me to lay out the strategy for them. And they want to know everything that's going to and could go wrong. They want to create like sensitivity analysis and master plans and implementation plans, right? Which I totally understand and get. I, I come from that world and I can see why that could provide a sense of security and some sort of control over the process. But at the same time, it's it's not necessarily how it works. I think like having some sort of strategy is great, but at the same time, like what we're talking about being open and receiving and just going with it, like flowing with a change journey is also very important. So regarding your experience, did you have some sort of strategy? So you mentioned that you were making jewelry for a couple of years before you actually launched and opened up your business. So what did you have any idea how you would transition? Uh, yes and no. I fully agree with you. <laughs> that, um, you can plan until the cows come home, but yeah. I can tell you right now, your plans are not going to be accurate. Mm. It's just not. Uh, it's just yeah. like things are going to happen and things are going to come up. And no matter how, because I have a friend who is kind of doing this and she was very, very type A, you know, um, mm. in the data analysis world. I'm like, you can plan uh, until you know for for the next year but whatever you put on paper it's probably going to change <laughs> in mm-hmm. some way so um you know yes you, I, I think it's important to plan and have kind of like a shell of an idea of what's going to go on but like you know you can plan what your branding colors are going to be even like down to the finite details but then they might change when you see the website I mean it's just so mm-hmm. really getting so granular I think is our perfectionist control, desire control tendencies coming out. Mm -hmm. And they really are a procrastination tool from doing the real work it takes to actually move in some way for some people. Um, I kind of boil it down like this, like dive in, like stop just planning and dive in. You don't have to quit. Do everything that you possibly can before you quit. So you can design a website. Like for me, okay, so I had to design a collection. I had to hire a photographer to shoot it for me. I had to design a website. I mean, that takes, that alone takes six months. Mm -hmm. So you can do all of that while you're still working. And I know that's a whole other issue, but like, because you're drained and exhausted because you're in a job you don't particularly like, but you know, so it's just a question of will and and personal just strength to not resort to Netflix and to actually say like, I'm going to use at least 30 minutes a day to work on my business or mm-hmm. an hour on the weekend. And that time adds up really fast. But um, I mean, like my philosophy is, is to stop just planning for it and just start doing it. So I, I'm dating a guy who um, he really wants to open a sports bar and he's in the phase that I'm talking about right now. I'm like, there's so much you can do before you need to sign the lease for this space and actually commit to it and put any money into it. Um, there's so much you can do. Start doing the things, you know, start drawing what you want it to look like, start researching what your menu would look like. None of that costs money. And as you do those things, you will determine in your gut 
is, does this feel right? Do I really want to pursue this? It's amazing what you learn from your, from your body, even just reacting to, um, you know, make the call to the bank. What does it take to get a loan? If that's what you need, have the conversation, you know, you don't have to know a lot. Say, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. This is what I told him. I'm thinking about opening a restaurant, maybe in a year from now, just collecting information on what it would take for me to apply for a business loan, have those conversations and and dive in because, you just got to start doing things to start even gauging if this is the path you want to take. And um, you might run into a major obstacle. Like, I don't know what it's like to get a business loan now, but let's just say, oh, it's COVID and it's nearly impossible to get a business loan. Okay. So I can't do this anytime in the next year, (laughs) you know? So like you just learn so much by starting to do things and Mm. there's so much you can do before you even have to think about tendering notice to quit your job. Um, so I, that's kind of the, you know, yes, there's planning obviously to start a website and to do a photo shoot and design a collection, but I had zero plan of what my life or my business was going to look like one year from, from today, you know, and I still don't do super long range planning. I'm kind of getting into it now, mm-hmm. but um, because just so much changes, especially mm-hmm. in the beginning. Yeah. And it's just, to me, it is a procrastination tool and it's a yeah. way for you to feel like you're in control and you need to give that up. Because also if you want to be an entrepreneur and you're a complete cult control freak, it's going to be difficult for you because you have to let go of that kind of feeling like you need to be in control that you have in a corporate environment where there's, you know, long range plans and performance reviews and everything yeah. is very, very, this is what you need to do to make partner this, 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 and this. I get so many people who ask me, they just want like a checklist of what it takes to open a business. Yes. That is, that is no, <laughs> that's what makes it so interesting and challenging for me keeps like, I love the business side of it. Like jewelry making is such a small part of my business. Most of it is marketing and the business and all that stuff. And, um, no one's going to, no one can tell you how to do it. Cause there's no, um, if it was that easy, you know, you have to do these 50 things and then you can have a business. Everyone would do it. So yeah. I personally also always advise not to do cold turkey and be like, okay, I'm finished with say being a lawyer now from tomorrow, Monday, I'm going to become a jeweler. And I feel like, you know, phasing in and like phasing out and phasing in and doing the gradual transition. I feel like that's the healthiest for literally everything for your finances, for your mental health, for your Mm -hmm. emotional life, right. For those around you, um, like, is it gonna be harder? I think like it will. And a lot of people also ask me, and I feel like a lot of my support comes in when they want to know how to do both. So my question for you is like, how did you get to do both? Because I feel like that's where a lot of people are, like you say stuck because they're so tired from the day job that does not fulfill them. That is so energy draining. And for them to think that they need to then stay up till I don't know 11 or 12 working on like their you know side stuff it's very hard for them to comprehend that and sometimes they will go on and watch Netflix because that's their coping mechanism it's just too much for them yeah it's it's hard I get it I mean believe me because I mean not only was I like drained but I also didn't feel well all the time I mean you have to make a decision like I say this all the time you need to be an adult you need to turn off Netflix (laughs) And it's, I mean, the things it's like, you know, the person who wants to lose weight, but they eat at Chick-fil-A three times a week. It's like, 
then don't do that. You know, like it just is, and I hate to boil it down. You know, obviously there are other issues with weight, you know, and losing weight. That's not all of it. But just to say a very simple example, like if you want something else, you need to change what you're doing. And think about all of the hours you have given to Netflix or whatever your coping mechanism is. Um, And if you just, you know, start small, you know, say, on the weekend, you know, on Sunday, I'm going to spend an hour working on my website or working, uh, researching different website platforms. And you have to gain some momentum. Um, If it's something you're truly passionate about, like the weekend after you might be like, okay, I have this website platform and start playing around with the free, you know, everything is so free in the beginning when you're trying to become an entrepreneur. I feel like there's so (laughs) many free trials and you really just back to my point of there's so little money you have to put into it. Yeah. You know, maybe that will excite you. And like then the next weekend, okay, I'm going to take an hour and just kind of play with maybe like what I would even make my website look like. And um, just really being disciplined. If you want something different, you need to do something different. You, it's you're not, <laughs> you know. And it's just about um, realizing that it actually, um, it's not forever, you know. And it's going to be mm. challenging in the beginning. But if it's something you're really excited about, like for me, I love pretty things and jewelry and, um, you know, my brand colors are like blush and gold and being on Pinterest, looking for inspiration. Like that's relaxing to me. That's enjoyable and, um, really fun. And so, you know, maybe you sit in front of Netflix and you have your computer open (laughs) from the first few times, but you've, you've got to be disciplined and you've got to, um, also realize, you know, I say this to, to people who have really, really demanding jobs where like, even the thought of an hour is seems mm. really impossible to them, then maybe you need to downscale and get a different job yeah. first. Um, so I would say to like some of the lawyers that I've talked to, maybe you need to go in-house before you talk mm-hmm. about opening a jewelry business where you can get some hours that are like nine to six and you have, will have some time, you know, I mean, because otherwise you're going to get stuck, you know, and, and three years are going to go by and you're still watching Netflix and nothing has happened versus, okay, you know, maybe I'm going to take the next two years or maybe I'll work freelance or part-time or, or whatever your options are in your current field. And, you know, three years out, you'll be a heck of a lot further along in the process than if you had just, you know, watch Netflix for the next three years, thinking about how badly you want to do something else, but you feel too drained. And the years just go by so quickly. You do, don't they? And it's so temporary. Like I look back and I quit in 2017. So four years ago, I mean, my life is, I feel like I've lived a lifetime in that amount of time. And just looking back, like I'm in a really good part of my business where I'm really starting to like, these things work, these things don't, I'm Mm -hmm. chopping those, I'm going to scale these up and I'm going to focus more on my personal life this, this year because I'm, you know, but that's four years and four years is nothing. It is Mm -hmm. nothing. And it's very temporary. So whatever pains you're feeling in the startup phases, you know, you're doing it because you think you're going to be successful. So four years from now, you might be really successful and so happy that you were disciplined enough to um, do something else and really go after something, even if it's in little increments of 30 minutes at a time in the beginning. Yeah. 
Yeah, so much yes to all of what you said. I feel like, I, I think it's also partly because our brain is almost designed to look for that instant gratification. So it's very hard sometimes to find motivation to work on longer term benefits, right? So having that determination and connecting to your why. And, but what's interesting, like, I, I so agree with what you said, where it's just taking responsibility. That's what being an adult is like, like take your responsibility for all of your life. Like everything that you have right now in one way or another is a consequence of certain decisions that you made or decisions you did not make mm-hmm. about perhaps changing your life. Um, another question that I have for you, cause I'm curious, again, that's something that comes up a lot is whether you had support of your family and friends with your transition. Cause I feel like if sometimes when we don't, it may be so much harder for us to commit to that change. Yes, uh, I agree. I did not have support. Oh, okay. Anybody. <laughs> really. Wow. Wow. <laughs> um, uh, my, uh, I'll talk about it more in the, the first time I quit because that was more relevant because the second mm-hmm. time I quit, it was more like, oh, here she goes again. <laughs> um, I love that. <laughs> and I was just in a more self-confident place and also a few years older. So it just was different. But the first time, um, uh, my mom and I had a lot of arguments about Mm. it and she was not supportive at all. Um, she, you know, didn't go to college. Um, she was a hairdresser and she looked at me as like, you are, uh, you know, 29 years old, you make six figures, you have degrees from these amazing schools and you're just going to give it up to make jewelry. You know, and and it really, once I realized where she was coming from, um, so she, when we got into like high school age, she left being uh, like working at a salon and she worked for um, some pharmaceutical companies and kind of worked her way up and and did, ended up doing very well for herself with salary and all that, given that she did not go to college. And I think for her, it was, for me, it was easier to deal with her knowing the perspective she was coming mm. um, to the discussion, which, which was, you know, she had to work really hard given that she didn't have a degree to get to a certain salary at a certain point in her life, you know, later in years. And it's like, you're in your twenties making six figures with these degrees and you're just going to give it up. Mm. Like what? Um, so that was her philosophy and, um, kind of where she was coming from. So we had a lot of arguments. Um, she tried her hardest to be supportive, but like, <laughs> you, can tell, you know, she was kind of, um, <laughs> trying to say things to be nice, but you could tell like the energy behind it wasn't very genuine, but she was trying, which I appreciated. Um, I think a lot of my family members and friends, you know, just to sum it up, had a very like, she's crazy. When is she going to go back to being a lawyer? Oh, just, you know, hopefully she'll just get it out of her system in a year or two, go back. Um, and so, yeah, that was definitely something I had to deal with. Um, because it's, I'm a very stubborn, persistent, if I get an idea in my head, I'm going to do it type of personality. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had that going for me. Okay. And, um, uh, but it was hard, you know, it's like, yeah. And to go back to what we were talking about earlier, we're like, everyone else is hating their life and hating their career. And especially when you talk about your own family numbers and um, no one has ever done anything outside the box in my family, very, Mm. you know, just typical 
jobs and and uh that's the way it is you know you save and then you retire yeah um so yeah it was hard and then as far as friends go um I had a lot of friends who were lawyers and so I uh, had, you know, it was kind of the same, like, you're just going to quit and make jewelry. Okay. You know? Um, so, and then also when you do leave that field or any field that you personally feel is very toxic to you, like you don't want to be exposed to that. So like I quit that job and I didn't even want to talk to those people. Like I, I can't spend my time talking about the same partners who are awful. And I, I just, I can't be in that environment anymore. Mm. So, um, I kind of, there was like a hard kind of like dividing line where I quit and I didn't even want to talk to those people for the most part. Um, so, uh, and then as far as like older friends that I had had for a while, um, not negative, but not supportive at the same time, just Mm, kind of, kind of, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kind of in the middle. Um, so, so yeah, (laughs) uh, did not have any support. And I, um, will say, uh, I feel like my mom is now supportive because she sees um, how much money I make through my business now. Yeah, she's making this now. And like, I was like, mom, don't you see how healthy, how much, like, I'm so much healthier. I'm so much happier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I moved to a place I really like. I'm dating a wonderful guy. Like, what, that doesn't mean anything to you. Mm. Um, <laughs> and she, I mean, we have a really great relationship in that we can have those very open conversations. And she's like, no, but, but again, like I try to remember where she's yeah. coming from and, and the generation she's coming from. And it's interesting too, because she just retired um, about 18 months ago mm-hmm. and uh, she just, she's looking for another job because she's so what? bored. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've heard this a lot from, you know, I guess just because she's in retirement and like some relatives getting to that age of like, so, okay, you might not be like my dad <laughs> and unfortunately have his circumstances, but like, you might be like my mom or like, oh, I can't wait to retire. Cause I hear a lot of lawyers and a lot of probably people in finance too. Like I make so much money. I'm just going to work really hard until I'm such and such an age. And, and then I'll, I'll be retire. good for the rest of my life. Yeah. And that's all that like, what are you going to do? Just be on You're not going to be satisfied if you're, you know, and so she's so bored. She has really no hobbies, really, Mm. you know, like typical, like likes to bake and that kind of stuff, but nothing that can kind of sustain her days and make her feel like she has purpose. And so I think that's another thing that people who have this goal of like, well, maybe I'll just work for another, you know, I hear a lot of people in the legal field too say, I'll just work until my loans are paid off. Okay. Well, you might be working until you're 45 because yeah. I don't know what kind of loans you have, but um, they're not something you can just pay off in like a year or two. I think that goes back to kind of like the inner work we've yes. kind of touched on. You know, if you're not really in touch with yourself, you don't really know what gives you purpose. You don't really have any hobbies because you just kind of go to work and run errands and that's your life because you don't have time for anything else. When you do retire, you're not going to be fulfilled then. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just not, you know, you're going to feel lost. And I feel like my mom is kind of, you know, needs to be busy. And I think 
a lot of people mm-hmm. who are in like these very, very demanding careers, like you can't just go from being super busy to not being busy. You have to be with yourself and you're probably not going to like it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. They never really spent a lot of time with themselves by being busy and then having p- perhaps families, right? So they never really have that quiet time to connect. And that could be, again, like a coping strategy, like an avoidance yeah. strategy really to deal with yourself. And then they think the solution is just getting even busier. Right. Yeah. So oh, I um, think that's so, especially in like higher up corporate America type jobs, that is such an issue. And it also <laughs> like people should be aware, you know, my friend circle is completely different now. Probably mm. large part due to that reason is like you doing something else. And even more importantly, you doing something else and actually succeeding at it makes a lot of people uncomfortable. Like a lot of people who have just resigned themselves to like, (laughs) I'm just going to do this until I retire and, or, or maybe haven't even thought about it, but they're just miserable and don't know why. Like if for looking at you forces them to be like, wait, maybe this isn't the right path or maybe this isn't the only way to go about it. And some people you know, your relationship. I, I didn't have anyone that like I abruptly cut out except for like coworkers that I just, you know, didn't really want to be around. But, um, you know, it was more of like a slow fade <laughs> yeah. Um, because, you know, you either, I wasn't getting the support I needed. I felt like I'm very in tune, like you were like with just with energy. And like, even if people were saying nice things, I could really feel like a negative energy Mm. behind it. And I just was really trying to protect my own energy and I didn't need that in my life. This is hard enough. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so, and the other reason, you know, it's like, you go out with your friends and all I do is complain about how much they hate their job. Yes. That's how you, that's how they used to relate to you. And when you change and you come and you say, Oh, by the way, girls, like I'm so excited about this. They have, they cannot relate to you anymore. Like you become. It's true. true, And then it's also sad. And you realize, wow, you really didn't have a great friendship. If the basis of our friendship was complaining. Um, But yeah, I mean, you'll kind of quote, unquote, like leave them in the dust and move on with your life. And they'll, you know, same people. Like I I was just looking at my law firm that I worked at a long time ago and there's still some people. So the first firm I worked at, it was 2006. There are still some people I started with who are still there and God bless them. If that's what they want to do and they're happy, that's awesome. But I know that's not the case for all of them. And it's like, I feel like I've lived three lifetimes since then. And, you know, they're still doing that. And yeah, it's just uncomfortable because they were also the person that kind of made fun of you of like, oh, she's going to leave and make jewelry. And then when they see you making just as much money as you were making, you know, making as a lawyer, it's not, not that funny, that, you know? <laughs> so, but on the same token, as you're kind of evolving as a person and you're also, your friends evolve, it's just natural, you yes. know? And so now I feel like I have people who are more in alignment with me and have Mm -hmm. more similar values and priorities. And we have really great conversations like this and, you know, whatever you lose will be replaced with something better because you're just evolving to a higher level of yourself, you know, so everything else kind of evolves with that. I love that. I love that you say that because I talk about it a lot and I actually mentioned that in my previous episode that a lot of my clients who were single, actually, when they started going towards that more authentic path, they also had a partner just appear out of the blue on their path. (laughs) Me too. I was, uh, 
single, like most of my, I was just always the girl who was the bridesmaid, never the bride is probably right. how I can describe myself. A couple of relationships here and there, but again, it's like when you're also working so much and I just, yeah, I wasn't someone who liked to just date just for dating. Like, you know, there were a couple guys that came into my life and I was like, oh, there's potential here and I would explore it. But like, I was mostly single. And, um, uh, I met, I, well, as soon as I moved to Charleston, um, two years ago. So that was about two years into my business. Mm -hmm. The third week I was in Charleston, I met a guy and we're still together and probably going to get married and have kids and all that good stuff. Um, And he's super supportive, you know, and I love that he's also, he left his former career and is also working on some entrepreneurial stuff, which is awesome. But it's just another great example of like, when you're in alignment with who you are, and what you need, what you're here for and your purpose, you just radiate a different energy and you attract, you know, people who are really great. And so, um, yeah, you might meet your love match too. Yeah, exactly. That's like, a, actually, that was my next question, but I, I guess we kind of are answering that, which is what were the unexpected wins and byproducts of your career change? So you mentioned health. A relationship again, which I don't think is an exception. You're not an exception to the rule. Like I said, I see that a lot, which as well, I was like, hmm, should I add it to my sales page somewhere that you're also very likely to meet too much? (laughs) Is there anything else you noticed that you feel like, oh, wow, like that kind of solved itself once I changed? Um, I would say just mental, like, I guess, like how I keep saying, like, I've evolved as a person, like, yeah, starting your own business is fun and challenging and interesting for all those like practical, interesting reasons of, you know, learning how to do different things. But it has been so much more a growth journey for me. Like, I mean, I've just grown so much as a person. And um, I talk about this too, when I talk to other people's like, even if your idea quote unquote fails, you will have grown so much as a person and learn so much that no one can take that away from you. And it also might then, those changes might lead to your next job, which might be the thing that you were supposed to be doing all along, but you don't even know that yet. You know, like, um, I'm just, I've just become such a, so much more in tune with myself and I've developed new skills and I just have you know, starting your own business is, is hard, especially when you do it like right after losing your father. Right. So like Mm -hmm. I have just, I feel like I could do anything now. Like I could really figure out anything and, um, just have a, a lot more of a grounded, solid footing in life. And like, I don't know, I, I just feel like we only have one chance to be here and I want to evolve and grow and, and try different things. And, um, you know, life is short. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love all of that. Like I really, I really resonate with that. And I see that through and through that's exactly what happens. And it just feels so good. And like you said, it's not that there are no hardships on your way, right? There will be problems you'll need to solve. There will be long hours sometimes, but you, it's such a different quality of problems and you approach that from such a different space and state and like you have different energy levels um, and almost you have like access to higher level thinking. I don't even know how else to say that, but it really is such a great, um, space to be. Um, so yeah. I love that you share that, um, a couple of few more questions. I'm mindful that, um, 
think we've been almost an hour. So one question that I always ask was one of my favorite questions, which is if you could time travel, what advice would you give Stacy at the beginning of this career journey? Is there something that you would tell her to do? Um, I would tell her to work on her mindset more than her website. In the <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> um, because it, it is, you know, the stories we tell ourselves, the stories we believe from society that are forced on us, like your job is not supposed to be fun and TGIF. Um, you know, who am I to make money? So issues and mindset around money um, mm-hmm. and being able to receive and uh, all of that stuff, that is like really the basis for success in my opinion. And Mm. to really work on those mind, those mental issues that are holding you back, which I think for a lot of people in the career change space, it is what does success look like to you? Because it's different for everybody, but we operate in society. Like it's the same for everybody, like to get married, have 2.5 kids with a house with the fence and a nice car. And then, you know, and that was something, by the way, I saw a lot in the legal field. It's like all these people have fulfilled this quote unquote checklist, this life checklist where they have all these wonderful things in a beautiful home and they're still miserable. So that's not the answer. Clearly. I noticed that when I was a legal assistant, actually at that big law firm in New York, before I even went to law school. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, these people have quote unquote, have it all mm. yet. They are miserable. <laughs> so yeah. clearly they have completely neglected the mental side of it and whatever. Um, but yeah, I would say it's, it's really about what does success look like to you? What does that feel like to you? Cause it's different for everyone. And I think that's always a great question to really, a lot of people will say like, I don't, I don't really know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, cause I never really thought about it. I thought it was just supposed to, I was supposed to get married and have kids and have this job and have this great title and do it all. And, but I'm not happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. And then, you know, really just, I think if you kind of, you know, like I worked a, with a therapist kind of inadvertently, cause I was going to her to deal with the grief from my mm-hmm. father and we ended up touching on these other things which were really useful to me as I quit my job and really started to say like, we only have one life and what's my purpose and what do I want to do here? And um, so I think if you really focus more on the beliefs and stories that you hold and really are, you know, honest with yourself and hold yourself accountable to like what you really do believe, like you might say you believe something else, but you're you're like, we're always manifesting. Right. So I say Mm. to people like you, you've manifested, you've just manifested the life that everyone, like you believe that you shouldn't like your job. You believe that, you know, TJF. (laughs) (laughs) So you have the exact life that mimics your beliefs. You just aren't aware of them. And Mm -hmm. so I think, um, really working on your mindset and your beliefs, and maybe that's a coach, maybe they're more deep rooted and you do need to see a therapist or maybe on your own, just with all the amazing, like self-help books there are out there, Mm -hmm. but really changing those, um, views. Cause the other thing too, like I had another jewelry, uh, business owner reach out to me. This was kind of a, a little bit long ago, but she was like, 
I mean, how are you selling six figures? Like that's a lot of jewelry. And I felt like saying to her, well, clearly we know it's holding you back in your own business, but, but she's not even aware that she holds that belief, obviously. But for me, it was so like evident by just this one comment. Um, so really getting honest with yourself about what your true beliefs are. Cause I hear that a lot from lawyers too. Like, sure. I'd love to go like open a jewelry business, but how am I going to make enough money? And like, so I yeah. really got into like the mind frame of doing even just mantras of like, yes. I can make as much money as a jewelry designer as I did as a lawyer. That was my mantra for a while. In the I love beginning. That. Mm. And it really does, you know, like, and to give yourself a little grace and patience, like it takes, a, it takes time to change those internal beliefs yes. so clung on to, and obviously have the life we currently have because of those beliefs and just working on those more than you even, because honestly, working on your website and all that is so easy in comparison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love all of that. I really think like, that's exactly what a lot of changes go through because at the end of the day, not only are you changing the actual career, you're changing identity and mm-hmm. giving yourself compassion, creating that space for yourself. Cause you're, it goes in phases. Like, like you said, there would be times when you would question yourself and you would think like, Oh my God, what if the rest of the world is right? What if I am crazy. Right. And it's natural. Like knowing that it's such a natural and required phase and part of your journey is going to be a bit of a roller coaster before it kind of evens out. Right. And you find the belief. And once you find the belief in yourself and in your case, the business, that's when the rest of it will come the customers, the financial rewards and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so going through that turbulence and, you know, knowing that it's okay, it's part of the journey and I'm still going to continue. Uh, but like what I admire about your journey, I didn't know that actually that you didn't have the support because I feel like um, it, it can be very, very hard when you, when you don't have, when you don't have at least one person really, truly holding that space and believing in you. Mm-hmm. Um Wow, that is that is that is not easy. Let me tell you. Yeah, right. And and that you know, and I think that goes to self confidence and self worth, right? Like, yes, always. everything comes back to your beliefs and like, you know, whether that's in your relationship or your career, or whatever. But um, you only have control over you, and all you need mm-hmm. is you. And the rest of the stuff is just great stuff to enhance your life. But at the end of the day you have to be happy with what you're doing and who you are and you only have control of your thoughts. And so exactly. Yeah. Like God, only God universe or resource only gives us control over one thing. And that is our thoughts. Like there's nothing else in this world we can control. So, and I feel like we have that ability to control the thoughts for a reason, probably because we have to learn how to exercise it. Um, but yeah, it's very hard, like asking yourself these really, you know, questions. I feel like we've been trained not to know the answers to these questions by just being alive in this society. Yeah. Um, so and it, also in like these masculine type mm. fields where there's just right. Like if you're going to be a good lawyer, like usually good lawyers are pretty aggressive females who are yes. like, I mean, just, it is what it is when you're in a court system. Right. I mean, it's just still a little bit of a good old boys club still. Um, yeah, I, I, like I hope that someday that is taught more to children as mm-hmm. like, you know, we work out our bodies so much. Maybe that's where I was going. Yes. Like we're taught like, like, and masculine is also very external, right? Like we work out our bodies and we're not too, we're starting to, you know, meditation obviously is mainstream and all that stuff, but like, we're not really tending to like the other side of us. Like everyone has a masculine feminine nature and they're supposed to kick in at certain times, you know, you're working on a project. Yeah. You're going to, tap into those masculine uh, 
qualities that you really Mm -hmm. need to like hit that out of the park. And then really having the balance, I think is where the key is and what was lacking, you know, as, as a lawyer too, I was just always expected to be like really going against your, or like my softer nature, obviously. I mean, now I design pretty things and I'm around weddings. (laughs) Obviously that's (laughs) a a big part about who I am that I needed to kind of like deny, but um, we work on our bodies all the time, or at least, you know, a lot of us do and, but we don't work out our minds. And like, Mm. it's just, once you realize the power that you have, (laughs) you could really harness those, uh, that skill to like really just change anything and to catch yourself more importantly, like even today, it's like, I always catch myself thinking certain things about my business. And then I'm able to snap out of it of like, no, uh, get out of that like lack mentality. Mm-hmm. February is usually a slower month for me. So I'm going to tap more back into abundance. I'm going to enjoy today because it's a little bit slower in my business. I usually get really, really busy beginning in March. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, just being able to always check yourself. I hope, I hope is taught to children at some point because yes. it's really a life skill that you need to work at to learn, especially if you don't have, you know, the support or, anyone around you kind of modeling that but you need it is and then I feel like once you master that well at least I don't think you'll ever will ever be able to completely master it we're still humans we're having a human experience um but just being able to understand how it works I feel like when you do there are no limits like Mm -hmm. literally (laughs) yeah like awareness is key right like you'll yeah we're gonna have thoughts but um, that maybe aren't in alignment with what you want, but like, as long as you're aware of them, that's half the battle, more than half yeah. the battle. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So uh, I'd also like to ask you about your brand, by the way, I'm now mindful. Did I read it right? Is it Grace Ann Hudson? How do you read? Yes. Um, okay. Grace Ann Hudson. Yeah. I said plus, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so can you maybe tell us a little bit how you came up with a concept? Like, is there a message you want to send with your jewelry? Cause it's so beautiful. Like you said, it's so feminine. I'm actually going to a wedding. It's supposed to be in Malta. I'm not sure if it's canceled. And I was like, Ooh, I will have to definitely check out everything that you've got. Cause I'll need that for being a bridesmaid. <laughs> yeah, I um uh so I had two jewelry businesses. So the first time that I quit was 2010 and um what I had a brick and mortar store because it was very hard to have a e-commerce site at the time. Those were kind of unaffordable for small businesses. You didn't have Squarespace and Shopify and all that stuff like that. Yeah. And um anyway, uh girls would constantly come into my shop and they all had the same thing to say about wedding jewelry. And they were all like frantic because they usually would wait until their wedding was was fairly close in time and didn't realize how hard it is to find bridesmaid gifts. Like a lot of brides want to gift jewelry to their bridesmaids that they could wear in the wedding. And then also it's like a nice thank you gift for, you know, being in the wedding. And so I would hear like the same complaints about jewelry from all of them. Mm. And um, when I you know, and then I went back to being a lawyer and started the second jewelry business. And I started that as e-commerce and I tapped into that idea of like these brides that I always heard the same complaints, did a little research, realized that no really big companies focus on wedding jewelry, like bridesmaid jewelry in particular. You see a lot of bridal, but never bridesmaid. Mm. So that's how I came up with the idea for my current business, Grayson Hudson, to really focus on bridesmaid jewelry that's very giftable, like like my most um, 
best-selling necklace, for instance, looks great with like a bridesmaid dress, but you honestly could wear it with a t-shirt on the weekend. Like mm-hmm. something that is very, very transitionable and a gift that someone will use again. And so most of my marketing is to weddings, but also it's great for gifting. And it's mm-hmm. very, very feminine, very like subtle colors. Cause a lot of brides want to match their wedding colors with the jewelry. Right. So very, like mm-hmm. I say, subtle, sophisticated color and, um, very, very in, in touch with Charleston. <laughs> so, um, Cause Charleston for you, those of you who haven't been here, um, it's just so many subtle, beautiful, light colors, all the homes and the downtown area are full of just really feminine, pretty houses. And, um, so that's how I came up with the idea. Um, so I started as e-commerce back in 2017. And then last year, <laughs> this time last year, I signed the lease to open a store in Charleston right before COVID hit. Wow. Well um, done. Yeah. <laughs> <Good time. laughs> yeah. Literally signed my lease like Valentine's day last year. And then wow. like a month later, it was like, wow. Um, <laughs> so now I have a, a storefront as well as my online business and um, yeah, made it through COVID. I feel like I can make it through anything. And I mean, it just goes back to, to like abundance is an internal thing. Like I grew 45% last year, despite the fact that wedding canceled left and right. Wow. That's impressive. I mean, I feel like it was almost my final exam because I've worked a lot on money mindset. That was a major Mm. issue for me. And um uh, I feel like COVID was maybe like the universe's way or God's way of like giving me a final exam of everything I had learned <laughs> because it could be, yeah. You know, they say that about like life lessons, right? You'll get mm-hmm. like tested in the at the end after you've learned everything. Um, but I, I really, I mean, God, I should write a book on it because I had a lot of money issues and I made it through COVID and not only made it and survived, especially when businesses around me in Charleston were closing left and right, which was very scary. Every week we saw a new business and we're like, like, how am I still surviving? (laughs) You know, like Mm -hmm. I'm a fairly young business compared to some of these, you know, businesses that were shutting down and um, abundance is internal. It is Mm -hmm. not dependent on your outside circumstances at all. And, uh, Yes. So, wow, um, congratulations. Yeah. That is that is such an inspiring story and I feel like such a great proof for all of those naysayers or when the you know, especially in the masculine world in the business world, uh there's this new app called Clubhouse and I join in those like businessmen you know, conversations. And then I, sometimes I just, I feel, I just want to get on stage and annoy them and tell them about mindset, like, like abundance mindset. Cause I feel like they would like kick me out off the stage. Cause they want to only talk about numbers and feedback <laughs> and charts and graphs. And I go like, no, that's not the secret, but so you're <laughs> such a great proof. I think you should sometimes go to these business conferences and perhaps talk about this. And you're such a beautiful example of that. I think mm-hmm. we need more of I've, that. Um... I do have like, I get like, I write about it every week on my website. I have Mm. something I call my journal where like Mm. I write about, and a lot of it has to do with mindset, but, um, someday I, like I did start a book last year and then just life is busy with (laughs) having a shop Yeah, someday because it is, you know, you don't really, it does sound a little woo woo in the beginning. Um, but then when you really start again it's just about working on your thoughts it's really it's not woo woo it is when you realize what your kind of the mental patterns playing in your head are 
it's sometimes like I, like I wasn't surprised why my life was starting out the way it was. Like I just had negative yeah. chatter all the time. So, so yeah. yeah. Um, Amazing. Yeah. So what's your, do you have a vision sort of for this brand? Cause you mentioned you don't really plan. So maybe that question is not really relevant, but I wonder. Um, yeah, I don't plan. I was not planning on having a brick and mortar store I'll right. tell you that much, <laughs> okay. because online is just so great, but I was looking for an office space. Um, mm. Uh, because I was getting ready to hire a part-time employee and just needed a space to work and stumbled upon, again, like just serendipitously, this space in Charleston and the rent was really affordable. And the landlord was like, I'm not really in the leasing business. So if this doesn't work out, just let me know. Like, I'm not going to take you to court or anything. Oh, nice. <laughs> and so I was like, I will sign the lease today. Um, it was just very meant to be. And it was so my brand, like it has a, an old fireplace. And oh, wow. Chandelier. So it's very, um, like the house was built many, many moons ago and it's just very, mm-hmm. you know, in the historic district. So it, it goes with my brand. And, um, so I was not planning on having that, but now I do. And, um, so who knows what the future holds, but I do know there's one thing I always cling to, which is I never want to be like an, worldwide brand with 50 stores around the world. Like Mm. I never want to be in the place that I was as a lawyer where I felt so drained and I feel like, or I should say I'm smart enough to know if my business ever grows, I'm going to have to give up some of the priorities I have now, which is to, you know, hopefully start a family and really just have Mm. great balance between really having control over my hours and my time because I'm my own boss and being able to, take my kids to work (laughs) and really just, um, enjoying what I do every day. I really love, uh, the personal side of my business. Like I'm always on Instagram. Um, I talk a lot about, you know, like kind of like my catchphrase and have it even on a sign outside my store is like, uh, dainty jewelry designed by a former lawyer pursuing a prettier life or sometimes like (laughs) a happier life. And I mean, you'd, you'd be amazed at the number of people who come in and say, so are you the lawyer? And then you <laughs> and then they say like, oh yeah, I'm a doctor. I hate my job. And how'd you do oh, that? Wow. And then they end up buying. I mean, it's, and I learned that too from my first store because um, my, my store was down the street from a courthouse. And so I knew that was something the second time around I had to include in my marketing. And so, um, Mm. So, yeah, so I never, I always want to keep it personal and special. You know, I do a lot of wedding jewelry, as you mentioned. And so brides will send me their photos after their wedding. It's just, it's such a like lovely, I don't know, like I really kind of uh, bond, I guess you could say with my customers and Mm. um, it's just so fulfilling and I never want to lose. Like I'd rather have something that feels really special then have like this ginormous business that's going to then become very corporate and get me right back into the BS that I left. Yeah. And, I that. Um, and it's also like you lose control. Like I don't do wholesale, which means selling your jewelry to other stores yeah. because a, you don't need it in this marketplace anymore. Like, you mm-hmm. know, even 10 years ago, how would someone in California learn about me? Like you really couldn't have an e-commerce site. Um, yeah. So you would need to be in stores. That's not really the case anymore. I tried it out a little bit, discovered I don't I don't like it. And so I don't sell to stores. Like I'd rather have something that feels really special. And that kind of goes with my brand too. And just, um, you know, it's nicely packaged. So like when you receive a package, it feels like a gift. It doesn't just mm. feel like a sterile Amazon package, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, oh, yeah. So I'd rather just do that and hire just 
a handful of employees and have a small team and, and have a nice life. Um, I don't need to be a billionaire. Um, yeah. And I just always, I like feeling in control. And when you start working with wholesale and you start getting really big, you kind of get lost in that. And um, I really enjoy the freedom I have, like just being my own boss and not really having to answer to anyone, but my customers and no one else. Yeah. I love that. And I feel like that is such a refreshing view. Like I love hearing that because I feel like it's almost like we're conditioned to want to have, to grow and to blow up and be everywhere in every store worldwide. (laughs) So the fact that you're like, you know, prioritizing the customer experience and your connection, like how we are customer and also just understanding that there's so much more to life than just your business, no matter how passionate you are, but there's personal life and your plans for your family and kind of, I feel like it's such a feminine approach to leading a life and business. And again, not to be a sexist, but like we said, I feel like we need a little more of that in, in business and in life in general. So thank you for sharing. And also there is, there is so much power in your story. So I love that you feel like people are drawn to you also because of your story and you openly share about your story. That's how I found you as well, because you were sharing that story that is so empowering for so many people. Yeah. So thank you. You know, yeah. To talk about more than just pretty jewelry. (laughs) Exactly. So can you, can you share where people can learn more about you and your business? I'm going to also add that in the show notes, but maybe you can share if someone is eager to check everything out. (laughs) Yeah. So my um, website is graceannhudson.com. I'm also on Instagram under the same name. I'm super active on Instagram. Um, I also have a shop in downtown Charleston, South Carolina, um, at 87 Wentworth Street, downtown. And yeah, that's where you can find me. Amazing. Thank you so much. You took me on such a beautiful journey, and I'm sure that the listeners will be incredibly inspired. And the fact that you were so honest, and it was really such a heartfelt sharing. Um, So thank you so much. I wish you so much success, even though you say that you don't want to grow, but I really feel like this is just the beginning for in so many ways for you and your business and for your brand and for your jewelry. So if anyone is getting married or if you're bridesmaids, you have to check out um, Stacey's jewelry is so beautiful. I've never really, you know, I've never really been in the market, but I don't think I've ever seen anything so beautiful like that. And so I don't know. It's just like, it's almost like there's so much energy and love behind it. And you can sense that Um, when you're doing your your passion project, like people can feel that. And then they want to get you, you know, but yeah, I, that was another hole in the market. Like there's really no jewelry brands that are really, really feminine. Um, Mm. That's kind of the other hole I kind of saw, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much again. It was such a pleasure to have you. All the best in the future. And hopefully maybe we'll have a take two in a year or, or two and then we'll see where you at then. Yeah, <laughs> have a little you. update. Okay. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for spending time with me today. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and you like me to support you in your career change journey, That is take all the guesswork out, help you navigate the turbulent career change waters and successfully transition in your career, you can apply to work with me one-on-one. I will be opening up a few coaching slots shortly, 
So if you'd like the opportunity, please visit my website, www.vilmoseita.com forward slash apply. That is V-I-L-M-A-U-S-A-I-T-E dot com forward slash apply. Let's make 2021 your year of transitions. <laughs>